Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Look, from my perspective, it's about saying resilience is an opportunity, not a threat, and that it's really important that you start to engage with it now and not wait for ASIC to come out with regulatory guides in the future about what resilience means. Welcome to the Jersey Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slesher, I'm the editor of the Jersey Professional Magazine. And today, once again, we have our Managing Director, Naomi Burley, and our regulatory expert, Carol Ferguson. Hi, both of you. How are you both doing? I'm very well, Kwame, and hello, everybody. Hello. So this podcast is the promised part B on resilience. Um, we're going to go a, a bit deeper. I think today we're going to be talking a bit about what you need um, in terms of a resilience plan and, or a response. So Carol, take it away. What are we talking about today? Okay, so last time we were talking about um, ASIC's um, focus on resilience for 2021 and especially because it's really now that they're getting back into their regulatory work and what does resilience mean for business? And if we just can go back to what the, the definition of resilience is from our perspective, it isn't just the capacity to renew or recover quickly, but it's about not just bouncing back, but learning and, and growing from the experience. So it's not just about, oh, well, we've this event has happened and we'll go back to the status quo but is the status quo the right place to be and should we in fact have moved on from there so here are some thoughts for everyone about how you can devise a resilience program or test it effectively within your organization and to have some discussions at a board and management level about how to increase the resilience within your business now it's a a fallout from the Royal Commission that resilience of businesses became one of the factors that Hain was looking at. In other words, were businesses effectively able to deal with, you know, economic downturns or changes in circumstances, etc. And and so it's a very important thing that from time to time within a business, there's a bit of navel gazing, and whether that's done in house or off site it's really important that from time to time you just stop and take stock and say, where are we? Where are we in the landscape? Is the regulatory landscape the one that we thought it was going to be in 2021 or, or has it moved on? And what are the factors that we haven't planned on? So the very first thing, of course, is capital resilience. Have you got and will you continue to have capital resilience for your licence? And if you are, of course, regulated by APRA, do you actually have the capital that APRA requires you to have, given that they are continuously revising their capital adequacy um, requirements? So you need to make certain that you aren't just sitting on the minimum, but that you are actually you actually have some some fat in that, so that you're actually able to continue if if circumstances change to meet your capital requirements. And, and it's a very serious thing. And this needs to be in some businesses monitored almost on a weekly basis, in some on a daily basis, to make certain that you always maintain the capital adequacy that you require. The next thing is, what does the DDO obligations mean for your business? Have you in fact sat down and really thought about that from a business resilience perspective, as opposed to just a regulatory requirement? 
And it's very important that your management people are really focused on what that's going to mean for your business. Is this actually going to lead to substantial change within your organisation? And if so, how do you continue? Because there may be products that are actually, you know, breadwinners that you require virtually no effort to continue to manage to kick along with that you won't actually be able to continue to offer. And, and so it's very important that that um, examination of your product suite is undertaken early and that it then factors into your budgets and your planning for the future. Because if you don't do that, it may come and slap you in the face very, very quickly. Mm, I think this, next, this is, falls in with that earlier discussion point we had, doesn't it, Carol, where if you've got a governance plan and you've thought through all the, you know, what will happen and the what ifs on a product, then mm. that needs to flow into the whole business, doesn't it? If you've, got to, yeah. if you've got to move people off that product because it's not working the way you said it would work or thought it would work, then that's going to have a flow-on effect and that's where this resilience really comes into play because yeah. there's so many things up in the air. Oh, look, absolutely. And, and look, I guess it's like if you've got a business business that's, um, if, if, say, for instance, we're in technology-based businesses where a new piece of technology comes in and somebody's been, you know, the expert on the previous piece of technology and now, you know, that's no longer required, do you keep that person on? Do you repurpose them? Or do you move them out? And these are the sorts of decisions that may need to be made in relation to the DDO obligations. So there may be BDMs who are very, very good at a particular product, but are they the right people to continue for the future? So it's going to, to require some hard decision making, but certainly I think that there are opportunities for growth, but it's about what products do you need in your in your um the lees, for want of a better word, to go mm. for so what's actually on the product menu and how can you, you offer those products in the most efficient way. Mm. So really the, the issue is also the talent to help them ensure a high degree of management um, efficiency and focus on risk. So, of course, we all know that Section 94A requires us to have these things and um, the licensing obligations under 104 also requires us to focus on, you know, people, processes and, and systems. But it's another opportunity when you're dealing with resilience to have another look at it and to connect the dots as much as anything else between those three objectives. So when you look at people, how do the people support the systems and how do, how do the processes report the systems? I'm a great believer in bulletproofing process, which means that you go back and you look at all your processes and you say, how can they change? How can we improve them? What are the things that have changed since that particular um, policy or procedure was implemented? Is it still the right one? And how can we move to a better one without necessarily causing too much grief within the organisation. So if everybody sits down and just comes up with one cunning idea within their department for improving process, the knock-on effects of that within the organisation can be quite profound. Um, the next thing that you need to do is to have a clear strategy and vision. Um, everybody's got, you know, visions and all these sorts of nice things, but do they work? Are they actually visions which are going to actually drive your business? 
Um, they're quite often not very specific, aren't are they, Carol? They're quite often vague as all get out. We're going to be the best, you know, at whatever. It's like, right, okay. (laughs) Yes. And and the trouble is, is that, you know, oh, we're going to target high net worth individuals. Same as everyone, right? Some thousands of years ago, I worked for Prudential and we went through a, a... true naval gaze as an organisation. And we came up with um, a thing which was called PACT, P-A-C-T, People, Achievement, Customer Focus and Teamwork. Now, that meant that every day you were focused on those four items in terms of everything that you did. So if if what you did wasn't furthering PACT, and they used to call that an impact for obvious reasons, um, then you know, you had to make an impact every day. And and it really was a very, very good thing in term, terms of turning around the culture within the organisation. So it's about focusing on those factors that are going to change the culture because it's a great and coherent culture and customer-centric values that are going to drive your business. So you need um, a total focus on customer and their customers and their experience and their expectations because that's what DDO is all about. It's about the customer. So if ASIC's requiring you to be customer-focused, then you also need to change your organisation to be a customer-centric one. So you need a total quality mindset when you're dealing with your customers. So, and the values need to underpin that. So you have to look at the values and the vision of the organisation and say, how do these expand our customer-centric organisation? Have we actually done what we said we were going to do? Have we really walked the talk? So, you know, this is about the directors sitting down, working out what the values are, have they changed? And if they, even if they haven't changed, to re-imbibe the business with them. So that in DDO times, you're going to have to have customer-centric values and visions and let's make certain that they're, they're the ones that are being driven. It's not this... enough. Sorry, keep going, Carol. Oh, I was just going to say, it's not just enough to say, oh, our values are we want to have shareholder value. That's mm. not enough anymore. And I think that this makes uh, the resilience conversation a really sensible one because it's a foundation around um, it's all very well to say you're customer centric and a lot of organizations say they do and say they espouse certain amounts of values but when you then have to anchor it back into well how would you actually execute that plan and what if xyz happens how are you mm. going to still be customer centric because i think i don't know whether part of what drove it out of the royal commission is also that if you're not an organisation that is resilient and you're always running from crisis to crisis or sales um, targets to sales targets to keep sort of making it through, that's going to drive different behaviours and, you know, things that aren't genuinely customer-centric behaviours, despite what you say on the can, if if you're going from crisis to crisis to survive. Look, uh, and you're absolutely right, Naomi. I mean, if you're an organisation that says we're customer-centric and we value our customers, etc., but you have customer complaints and an AFCA um, sort of list that is just through the roof, then you've got to say to yourself, maybe we're doing something wrong. I mean, every time that you get a complaint, what do you do with it? Is it just mm-hmm. review? Is it regarded as just a great sin to have a complaint, or are complaints actually learning opportunities? Are you going to actually take those and say, what went wrong? 
not pointing mm. the fingers, but to a just process. Maybe it's a person who's who's dealing with something and who really isn't, you know, supposed to be to be doing that because they're not good at it. Um, mm. And to change the the mindset of the organisation in relation to those. I really think, and I know that I many of you have heard me say it that that I view breaches as regulatory opportunities because they're a, they're a chance to sit down and say, what has gone wrong within our organisation and how can we improve it? And complaints are absolutely a case in point. So when you're yeah. dealing with your DDO obligations and, and dealing with resilience, how do you stop these things happening is a measure of the resilience of the organisation. And it's very real data. It's very real data to figure in what might be the other things that are taking you off your resilience course that expose you to a risk. So you were talking yeah. earlier when we were preparing about the rise in professional indemnity insurance. Yeah. You know, if you've got high complaints, you, you can bet that you're going to need to make a claim at some point, I would assume. Yeah. If something's going on over there, there's a, there's a yeah. mess over there. Well, you have to make a, you have to inform your insurer anyway, because the quantum is, you know, um, one of those things that you actually need to do under the policy generally. Mm. Um, and, and look, PI insurance has gone through the roof in Australia. Um, the, the Royal Commission may have, have uncovered some um, issues within the organisation, within organisations, but, but unfortunately the PI insurers are pricing it as if everyone had that problem. And they are pricing it as if it is a detriment for the whole of the industry. And, and they are anticipating many, many more claims to be coming out. Yes, AFCA has found a lot of claims, but a lot of them have been small numbers. They haven't been big numbers um, yet. Um, so I think that, you know, there's the response from the PI insurers is, is uh, what's the right word, unmeasured. <laughs> Mm. You know, one one would have thought that they may have been. It's it's very knee jerk, saying, mm. "Well, hangs mm. happen. We're just going to increase premiums." However, um, it's in parallel with this conversation about resilience. I mean, that's what they're about. Yeah. Um. And and I guess that goes to there's obviously some factors here that need some looking at. So what are, what are some of the other areas I guess that that organisations should be thinking of in their resilience plan? Okay, so it's about as a, um, a compliance and risk person actually finding the balance between compliance and risk and management activities so that management is still able to do their jobs but, but within a compliant and risk-controlled um, environment, um, particularly that you've got agile technology and that, you know, you're looking for cyber risks but the data management and platform actually underpin a new and effective um, suite of products and that there is a continuous drive for financial and organisational exclu exclusivity. Um, so you need to be quick to change and adapt and, and you need to do that regularly and there has to be appropriate investment and that the risk factors continue to evolve because one of the things about all of this is mm. Compliance and risk will continue to evolve through all of this, but it's how you deliver well, they're that. They're going to be the cornerstone, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. And how you deliver that back to your business and the conversations mm. that you have with the board and with the management team are really critical mm. in how you help them in terms of not only developing resilient structures, but also how you monitor them 
and how you deliver um, sort of an awareness as to how they're actually progressing because yes. this is a conversation that you might want to have with internal audit but at the very least that you know there is adequate testing about resilience for the next year or so I think it's a really important factor. Well that was one of the things I was going to ask you about the agile technology I, I mean I understand that we all need to adapt to technology and there's this move to remote um, delivery of a whole lot of things and, and all those kinds of things we've learned in the past 12 months. But I think there's another thing for compliance and risk people is make sure that the technology that goes in feeds you back out information so you can monitor this. Mm. If it's going to be smart technology, then make it serve you. Use that yes. data because this is a moment when, um, you know, when you have those conversations with the board about managing your compliance risk quite often, uh, you are doing your best guess on behavior, the behavioural side of things, how people normally work, and, and the verifiable data side of things should be improving with all this technology. So use it to your advantage because then you have better sources of truth and yes. better ways to verify and turn around and say to the board, actually, I didn't just guess this. These are the numbers we're pulling out of our new systems. Yeah, and, and I think that's the really important thing. I think, sadly... Um, compliance and risk are also not consulted enough in relation to new technological um, platforms and, and, you know, changes to technology. So mm -hmm. I think it's about developing a really great um, relationship yeah. with your CIO, making certain that he or she understands that you are supportive of them, that ASIC is very focused on reg tech and how that's going to, to play out for the future. And I think it's not just reg tech though. I think it's not just tech that's designed for compliance. It's using the tech that your organisation has put in to feed through to you. So like you yeah. say, becomes friend with them and get yeah. on board with getting some of that information. Yes. But we're getting absolutely. wound up by Kwame. <laughs> He's doing a secret <laughs> signal. I'm not going to about it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everybody. Excellent. No, it's, that's great. It was actually a very engaging conversation. I think people will forgive you um, for being a bit longer today. I guess any final words um, that you would like to leave listeners with? Look, from my perspective, it's about saying resilience is an opportunity, not a threat, and that it's really important that you start to engage with it now and not wait for ASIC to come out with regulatory guides in the future about what resilience means because you need to drive the conversation with ASIC, not let them drive the conversation with industry. So if you've got an opportunity of, of working with our other within industry groups to develop some ideas, I think that's a very sensible way of doing it. And certainly at GRC, we are open to those discussions. Yeah. And my final thing would be resilience has always been the end game of compliance and risk. Regulation isn't in for regulation's sake. It's there to try and make markets resilient. And now we're just having the conversation openly and trying to translate that into it. And it's what compliance and risk does every day, but yeah. it enables you to use this language with your board to have them understand that strategic game in compliance and risk. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute. And the music was produced by Rob Neary.